This is Channel 253. In this episode of We Art Tacoma. It was just absolutely quiet. All the businesses were closed. I photographed some of the signs that people had posted. Um, most of them were haphazardly made all across <laughs> Tacoma. A lot of paper signs. It was just like handwritten scrawl about due to COVID, yep. yada, yada. Yep. Um, so th that was really fascinating. You know, people just didn't have a heads up. It's happened so quickly, oh, yeah. um, as we all know. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. This is the We Art Tacoma podcast. All right, we're back uh, with another episode of We Art Tacoma coming at you uh, from self-isolation. My guest today is Ingrid Barentine. Welcome to the podcast, Ingrid. Thank you for having me. So you are a local photographer who I think I first met you, um, I don't know, I bet it was like five or six years ago, you were, you were taking photos for Metro Parks and you, and you took my portrait, which now hangs and the whole board, which hangs in uh, like our headquarters and things like that. How long have you been a photographer? Yes, actually, that was, that was a fun one. Um, I have been a photographer professionally since 2007. And as a hobbyist, um, from the time I was 19, which was 21 years ago. So, so go take me back to, to, uh, when you were 19, what, what made you pick up a camera for the first time like that? Well, I, um, had the opportunity to bicycle around England with a close friend of mine. And, um, my dad was a photographer. He was a landscape photographer and he had, given me a camera and said, take this on your trip. And so I did not really knowing what I was doing. And, um, I was, I was hooked. I was hooked was, on travel and I was hooked on the idea of documenting an adventure and telling a story. Uh, so let's see. So was this a, a film camera? Was it digital? Do you still know, know what it was? It was a Pentax PZ1P, uh, film camera. And I think I brought about 30 rolls of film, uh -huh. which at the time I thought was quite a few. <laughs> 30 and you have 24 each and takes days to, and weeks to find out what you actually captured. Yeah, exactly. I took the a mystery. Yes. I took a photography class in high school and then uh, was in the darkroom club uh, in college. And I loved that process of, of using the darkroom. Uh, I took a lot of, uh, a lot of photos, tried to be artsy. I had my dad's old Pentax, actually. Um, and I used it even into the 2000s, and um, the light meter on it broke, and it was old enough I couldn't figure out how to do it on my own, and I wasn't confident enough to be able to work without having a working light meter. Um, and I didn't know how to make, you know, reproduce it some other way. So I kind of fell out of touch. And then of course I got a phone and took all of my photos on my phone after that. But I did really enjoy that process of going out with a, a film camera and, and seeing, seeing what I could find. Yeah. I, um, 
I'd spent a little bit of time in a dark room, but when I finally decided to take some photo classes, it was right as the digital transition had happened. Mm. So I remember um, I spent some time at Yakima Valley Community College uh, with an old photo instructor there. Um, and that, that was my dark room experience for the most part. And then I moved to Spokane and took some um, photography classes at Spokane Falls Community College and also had like, I think one darkroom class there and then the rest of it was all digital. Yeah. And uh, I remember like trying to decide, should I buy a digital camera? Is this going to be a thing? <laughs> and yes. And yes, it was. It turned out <laughs> to be a thing. How did you move from hobbyist to professional? Because photography, especially because of digital, I know is one of those areas where um, there's so many amateur photos out there and even you know a million amateurs will ever so often, often produce a really amazing photo. And so you have these situations where people are, um, there's, there's just fewer and fewer professional photographers, especially with media declining. Um, and I know that process was starting probably right about the time you were making that transition. So how did you find your way into it? Well, I, um, I wasn't sure where I saw myself within photography. And so as I was taking classes in Spokane, I took an intro to photojournalism class from a, an adjunct professor who also worked for the Spokesman Review. And um, he and I clicked, we, um, he had traveled and I had traveled and we had traveled to some of the same countries. And so we kind of bonded over our travel experience. And uh, he said, you know, if you're interested in working for the paper, we're looking for a part-time photographer to help us on weekends, um, cover some daily assignments, and then also as a photo clerk during the week. And um, I had very little experience, but I was quite eager and I was willing to work hard and he gave me a job. And uh, I think that was kind of, you know, once I started doing a daily newspaper work, I was basically hooked. Yeah. And on, you've worked, um, worked for a few, fo a few newspapers, haven't you? Correct. I interned with the Yakima Herald Republic, an unpaid internship for a summer and then I um, worked full-time for the Northwest Guardian, which is a weekly newspaper, well, was a weekly newspaper at right. Joint Base Luce-McCord. And I was actually laid off from the Spokesman Review where I was in Spokane in uh, 2007. So you're right. It was just at the turning point in, in news media, in especially print newspaper yep. media. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, I wasn't sure how I would be able to maintain a career as a photojournalist, um, especially after that first layoff. But um, the, the Guardian job turned out to be um, just like a fascinating and um, really perfect experience for me because they only had one photographer there. You were required to have a beat, a writing beat as well. So mm. it um, gave me some skills and some confidence that I think working just on, on a daily staff with other photographers, I wouldn't have had to push myself in the ways that I had to at that job. Um, so I continued at that position until I had my first child. And then I realized I wasn't making enough money to afford full-time daycare. So I quit my job and started yeah. freelancing. Do you have any favorite photos that you took from that, uh, from your newspaper era, so to speak? Um, I think, honestly, the, the work I did at The Guardian was 
it was so interesting. I knew nothing about the military when I started that job. And um, I remember making flashcards for unit ranks or service member ranks because I didn't want to insult anyone when I was talking to them. Hmm. And I didn't know the difference between like non-commissioned officers and officers. So I made myself flashcards and um, kind of dove in that way. And then um, just being able to cover the military from the community aspect of it. Um, I went to schools and photographed sporting events and then the training. Um, we went to Yakima a couple times and I photographed some middle of the night rocket fire exercises that were oh, wow. pretty fun. And I remember photographing um, some rugby matches um, with the army rugby team and hmm. we got to to cover quite a few Seahawks games because they were there, um, the military appreciation events. Sure. Um, they would always invite us up and yeah, so it was, it was a wide variety of, of assignment work. Yeah. That's really cool. So, uh, after freelancing for a while, I know that you also, uh, were taking a lot of photos for Alaska airlines over the last couple of years who, you know, sponsor the podcast. Thank you, Alaska. Um, and you've gotten to fly to some pretty cool places to do photos for them. Yeah. I, I've kind of lucked out with that, with that gig. Um, it was started as the freelance, uh, one-off about six years ago when, um, one of my former multi-care contacts called me and said, Hey, you want to photograph some new, uh, airplane bins, like the luggage bins. He's like, they've changed. <laughs> It's really, really, really um, high-profile sign. Really exciting. But I was ecstatic that Alaska Airlines had called me to um, shoot something. So, of course, I said yes. And one assignment turned into another and another and another. And um, fast forward, I think it was two years after that assignment, I had so much work from Alaska that I was really struggling maintaining my other clients. And so I... Uh, we basically came to a full-time contract agreement and um, for the past two years I've been working with them full-time but uh, the assignment work again much like at the military newspaper it it's so varied that it, it keeps the job really fascinating for me it could be mundane things um, headshots of staff members but then it could also be really exciting um, celebrity partnerships like with Russell Wilson and Kevin Durant. So that's really you cool. never, yeah, you never knew each day brought something different. Yeah. And I, I remember, so, so during the, the 2017 eclipse, I went down to Oregon uh, to see it. I ended up at Mount Angel Abbey, which is like a Benedictine, I think, or some other kind of monastic order. Um, and I, I just kind of ended up there because I'd been there before briefly and I thought, and I knew it was in the, in the path of totality. Um, and it ended up being a really cool place. Once the, the sun went to, into total eclipse, they, they started singing their, um, like doing their Vespers chant or their mat, you know, middle of the night chant or something like that. And it was just really something to be in that environment when the sun disappeared. Um, but you had a really interesting eclipse experience that I wondered if you would be willing to share as a photographer. Well, um, this was before I started full time, but yes, I, I got the call, um, from a close friend of mine who no longer works there, but she was there at the time. And she said, Hey, we have something really cool 
coming up in August. And when she told me the date, I was like, no way. Are you talking about another eclipse flight? She's like, yes, but you can't tell anyone about it. I said, <laughs> okay, I'm so in. I will just make sure I'm available. Um, so I was fortunate to be on a plane that was filled with NASA astronauts and scientists and meteorologists and um, just like astrological junkies. Um, and then, of course, there were members of the news media. Uh, basically, they set the plane up so all of us had a window seat on hmm. the side of the plane that was going to see the eclipse. Right. And then they flew us from Portland, Oregon, about three hours out over the Pacific Ocean to where it would intercept um, the path of totality. Yeah. And uh, the uh, it was just it was a fabulous and breathtaking moment, as you know. Um, but I remember my window seat was taken by an eager enthusiast, and this was right before the eclipse was going to happen. And I panicked. I was like, "Oh no, what am I going to do if I don't get this photo?" And the photo that I wanted, um, since I was photographing for Alaska Airlines, I wanted to have the wing in the frame so that you can kind of see the little branding mark totally. on the wing winglet. I yep. felt like that would be a good storytelling moment. Yep. And um, of course, like as this works out for me often <laughs> right before it happened, the seat opened up, I was able to slide in and I, I caught the moment and it was um, just one of those amazing experiences. And we had to fly back to Portland. It was like three hours in the air and it was just the most amazing um, euphoric yeah. atmosphere that I've ever been, been a part of on an airplane. Did, did the plane like fly along with the path of totality for a while so that you had a longer eclipse experience? Is that how uh, that worked or? No, we did not. Okay. <laughs> it was as, as quick as everyone else's. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. Yeah. You can actually go to the Alaska airlines blog and there's a video on there and as well as some of my photos about the experience. I will have to find that and put it in the show notes. That's very cool. That's awesome. Um, I want to talk to you about uh, your recent project, taking pictures of uh, Tacoma when it's empty from everyone uh, self-isolating. But I want to take a quick sponsor break. And then when we come back, we'll talk about that. This is Nate Bowling, Alaska Air MVP and host of the Nerd Farmer podcast. There are three places I call home right now. The first is Tacoma, OBS. The second is Abu Dhabi, where I'm teaching for the next two years. And the third place I feel like home is on board an Alaska Airlines flight, sipping on Northwest beer and watching free movies. When you spend as much time on an airplane as I do, you come to appreciate the finer things that Alaska Airlines provides. It's because at Alaska, customer service comes first. I see it in all the little details that make the experience of flying better. Free messaging and free movies on select flights, and of course, that signature fruit and cheese plate. When I fly, I don't even look at the travel sites. I go straight to alaskaair.com and book. Thank you, Alaska Airlines, for your longtime support of Channel 253. And we're back. Thank you to our sponsors, and thank you to the members of Channel 253 who support the network, this podcast, and our many others. If you want to support the podcast, you can at channel253.com slash membership. It is $4 a month or $40 a year and helps us uh, uh, put out episodes like this. So thank you again to our sponsor and to the members. 
So Ingrid, um, we've been, I don't even know how long we've been self-isolating at this point. It's, it's, uh, sometimes since March, depending on, on people. I know we both have kids in this school system and we've been balancing all of these things and work and home. Um, but recently, uh, you and I talked about for channel 253 going out and having you take some of your beautiful photographs of empty Tacoma. Um, I want to talk more about just like kind of what that experience was like. What, was it as empty as you expected? Do you see, did you see too many people who were still out who shouldn't have been? Um, how did you feel about that? Well, um, I don't want to tattle on people. Okay. Eric. Okay. We don't have to tattle. <laughs> but, but I did see, I noticed. Um, so I started at sunrise because um, being a photographer, I love to plan my day around sunrise and sunset. So you can guess which part of the day was going to be a little bit busier. Mm-hmm. Um, the sunrise um, scenes were, they were beautiful and they were still and very serene. I started in downtown Tacoma at sunrise and I just noticed I could hear all these seagulls. And it's not like I spend a lot of time at sunrise in downtown Tacoma, full disclosure. (laughs) (laughs) Like I try, I try not to be in downtown Tacoma at sunrise. Um, But it was just interesting. You could hear sounds from the port. You could hear, hear the birds. And and that was about it. There really was um, minimal traffic. Um, In fact, I stood in the middle of 11th street for quite some time trying to get a great shot of um, the Murray Morgan shooting down, down the hill. And I just thought, well, I don't see any cars coming and I think I'm good here. So I just, I stood there and with, you know, of course my head was on a swivel, but I was surprised how long I could stand there without having to move. Um, so from there, I, um, went down to the UW Tacoma area and then I started to see morning exercisers. We had joggers, people walking their dogs. Um, and you know, that was about it. Um, I walked along the business fronts down there and I know normally around 8am or 9am, you'd start to see students going to school at soda and UW T students. So it did feel kind of like a Saturday morning or Mm. a holiday week morning. Right. Um, very quiet. Yeah. I I think what a, a, uh, a cynic might say, well, downtown Tacoma never has any people in it. Like, uh, you know, we, we struggle sometimes with getting enough, uh, pedestrian traffic to support some, some real tail or retail. Um, but as I look at the photos that you took, um, you know, I see not just empty sidewalks, but I mean, the rows are just so incredibly empty in a way that I, even on a, even on a slow morning, there's a lot more cars. There's just a lot more activity. Um, and just to see like the one dog walker or something like that, uh, is that's the shocking part to me is just that the expanse of concrete, um, is really something. Yeah, it was, um, real fascinating to see. And I actually went to UW Tacoma. So in my mind, I, you know, pictured back to some of my early morning classes and I know the staircase near, um, Oh, Metro coffee. You yeah. Know, the one that the, the big, go the big in staircase there. Yeah, with the W exactly. at the top, right? Exactly. Is full of students getting coffee, going to and from school. So not seeing a soul on those stairs, except for the occasional, um, person was really interesting. 
Um, I did see uh, street cleaners out. I saw obviously um, public transit operators. Um, the link is still running. Yep, so I saw that. I I did not pop on the link. I thought about it, but I decided not to. Um, and then I headed towards the uh, theater district, which at about this time is probably 10, 10.30 in the morning. And so typically I think businesses would be up and running. People would be working in their offices. Parking garages would be full. Um, so I chose to park in a parking garage, even though there was ample street parking. Yep. Um, quite simply because I was curious about the angles from the top of the parking garage. Um, and I also wanted to see if, if it was, had any cars in it because I thought that would be kind of an interesting aspect to photograph. And of course it was empty every single floor. Um, the only people about were people taking public transit, um, and and then the transit operators. So that was kind of my feeling from downtown. Of course, local residents, um, had none of the business traffic that we normally see. And uh, yeah. and then I headed to, I think, the Lincoln District next. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, same thing there. It was just absolutely quiet. All the businesses were closed. I photographed some of the signs that people had posted. Um, most of them were haphazardly made all across <laughs> Tacoma. A lot of paper signs. It was just like handwritten scrawl about due to COVID, yep. yada, yada. Yep. Um, so that was really fascinating. You know, people just didn't have a heads up. It's happened so quickly. Um, as we all know. Uh, but yeah, I decided to check out Lincoln high school. Um, there was a school patrol officer parked out front. So I tried to be discreet in checking out the school, (laughs) but I was able to walk through, um, the nearby park there and, um, peek into the, the stadium area and, I'm not sure on a typical morning how many people would be down there, but obviously it was a school day. So if it was a school in session, I'm sure there would be um, students down there doing whatever. Totally. um, Exercising. So that was completely empty. And um, yeah, it was, it was just eerie. Yeah. Where, so as, as you're going around, did did you feel, um, out of place did you know how did it feel to just be in a in this whole different kind of uh, atmosphere um than what it normally feels like well i had to keep telling myself okay you're on an assignment it's okay for you to be out media 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 is okay that's right <laughs> media is essential it's essential and um i feel real passionate about telling this visual story of the time of COVID because I believe it's a historic moment that we will look back on and um, we need to have some visual visual represent representation of this time and I I just kept reminding myself of that um, prior to being laid off at Alaska I went to the airport and kind of did a very similar thing Mm. um, and just kind of I documented what I saw and the emptiness of the space, sort of the the stress of the, of the people that were having to be at the airport. And I felt yep. like I saw some of that yesterday with like essential workers who were out and about town. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely feel like things have settled down a bit than maybe like two, two or even three weeks ago. People seem to be a little bit more relaxed. 
Yeah, um, there, there was that period of time where like every day brought something totally new and it was just this constant adjustment. And now it just feels like, okay, we're in it. And there's significant uncertainty about how like the long term looks, but day to day feels like um, at least there's not this dramatic change every single day. That right. Was I, at that time. Yeah, I think the um, <laughs> leading up to the school closure, I remember that that week being and the mandatory stay home, just like right. so intense and every day thinking, all right. How are we going to get through this? Yep. And yet, here we are. Yep. I think the most striking thing about um, the areas I visited yesterday, which were primarily business districts, I did not see any children. Yeah. It there's just an absence of children being out and about. I think they're you know playing in their neighborhoods, obviously, but um, in business spaces, you do not. They they are not out. So that was really interesting. That really is. The, one of the, the photos that you took that I really liked um, was of the, of the you know, you have all these boarded up uh, facades from people protecting their businesses. And then a lot of those have murals or art on them. There was one that said, just you are not alone that I thought was really uh, touching given the, the time. Yes, that was down on Pacific Avenue. Um, okay. And uh, I... I saw it at sunrise and I was all alone and it did feel kind of like a moment of reassurance. Yeah. Um, it was, it's gorgeous. Yeah. I feel like telling people to go take a driving tour of Pacific Avenue. There are some beautiful murals that have been created in this time. Um, I almost hope that when these building, when the boards are taken off these buildings that we are able to preserve them somewhere. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. I, I know the History Museum has been looking for uh, like people to keep diaries and stuff, but that's a really good idea. I wonder if they could if they could keep some of these, or if we could figure out a way to display them or something. Yeah, it's it's such a interesting way to express this time, and um, I think the messaging on a lot of these just will resonate for a long time for our generation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for for venturing out and uh, taking these photos. And for anyone who hasn't seen them yet, I will put a link uh, to the photo gallery in the um, in the show notes to this episode. Thank you so. for having me on, Eric, yeah. and for giving me the opportunity to tell this story. I really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. If anyone wants to uh, follow your uh, photo journeys, uh, where's the best way for them to uh, to see what you're up to? I am a fan of Instagram. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, my handle is at Ingrid Barentine. And I will also put a link to that in the show notes as well. So thank you so much, Ingrid. I really appreciate you taking the time. All right. Thanks for having me. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. We Art Tacoma is part of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounder's B-Team, Crossing Division, Citizen Tacoma, What Say You, and Give Me the Mic. This is Channel 253.